You're listening to a Church Doctor production. Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this, the second episode of our discussion about Christianity as a movement. In this second episode, we're going to look at how the thinking changes as we think about being part of this movement. You know, today many churches are postured in an Old Testament approach. Come to church, do it my way, learn my language, which might be old style these and thous, like my music, which may not be your style of music at all. This is really odd because Jesus became a human, a God-human. It's called the Incarnation because God wants to reach people where they're at. When he landed in Israel, Jesus was a person who looked like every other person. He didn't come as someone else. He didn't come looking weird. He spoke the language. He ate the food. He dressed the dress of those times and in that place. It's called the Incarnation. It's the length to which God wants everyone to go who is a Christian. That length which we go to reach people where they are. That doesn't mean we sin because they're sinners, even though we are too. We're just forgiven. But it means that we don't require people to come to our level but we reach them where they are. We speak their language. That's just what it means to be a missionary. So anyway, I'd like you to think about the Christian movement and rethink the Christian movement a little bit. Is the Christian movement a movement? Or, in your mind, and in the mind of other people you know, is Christianity an institution? You know, and I look at denominations and all the bureaucrats and all the levels, and all the rules, and all the constitutional amendments, and oh my goodness, how do you move that? Yeah, we could be overorganized. We could put on weight, so much weight, we can't move at all. You can do it at a church. Get involved in so many things, you can't move the movement. Think about it. Is the place where God has put you, and as you operate as a Christian, are you a mover in a movement, or are you a member in an institution? Think about this. Is Christianity a process or a program? Oh, do we love our programs. Short term, do this for a while, and now that didn't change anything dramatically, not transformationally. But it was a nice program, and now that's done, and let's see what new program we can buy in a box. It's not that at all. It's a movement, which means it's transformational. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a complete renewal of your mind. You see, that's when renewal occurs, and renewal always precedes revival. But it doesn't happen with a program. It happens with a process of transformational change. 
a renewal of our mind, the way we think about church, the way we think about Christianity, the way we think about the movement. Is the Christian movement for you a journey or an event? Oh, yeah, I was baptized back in 02. Yeah, that's an event. Oh, I became a member of this church when I was 23. That's an event. Where are you in your journey? It's a decent question. I think Jesus would ask it. Where are you in your journey? Do you take inventory of yourself? How are you on a journey for Jesus? When you go into your world, whatever it is, wherever it is, whoever you meet, are you on a journey? Are we messengers or consumers? I don't mean to be unkind. I want to hear a good sermon the same way you do. I want to go to a good Bible class that intersects with my life and my challenges and my problems and my difficulties, just like you. But I don't live there. I'm not a consumer. I don't put money in the offering plate or deduct it from my account as an offering to my church so that I can consume more and feel good. It's not just that. I'm glad for grace. I'm glad for forgiveness. Oh, am I glad for the family of God, my friends at church, people who pray for me, love me, even when I goof up. Oh, that's important. I consume all that. But that's not the whole deal. That's not the movement. They strengthen me. They build me up so I can be a messenger, not a consumer. Is it all about relationships or an organization? You know, most church people don't like to go to church meetings. Because church meetings are full of politics and ways to vote on stuff. That's not what church is all about. It's not about bylaws. Church is about relationships. I have a relationship with Jesus. That's a big deal. That makes me part of the family. I'm a child of God. And I got a bunch of children of God around me. I'm part of a family. I've got relationships. And when I want to be in mission and I want to share my God stories with other people, I'm going to build relationships. I'm not going to stand on a street corner with a sign. Repent or be doomed. It's not a relationship. Not very effective either. But then neither is a church when it's a place to go and a program to get involved in and a volunteer job to do. It's the relationships. It's when we relate with one another. It's when we relate to Jesus. When we pray together, when we help each other, when we forgive each other, it's about relationships. But man, doesn't it look like an organization? It's a community. It's not a building. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you what. People can get just so bent out of shape. 
arguing about the color of the new carpet. Are you kidding me? Who cares? If it's worn out, get a new one. Who cares what color it is? Man, we fight battles over the dumbest stuff when people are going to hell all around us. And we're a community. Do we act like a community when someone falls among us? Oh, not all the time. We like to judge people with sins that don't tempt us, but tempted them. Well, I don't want to think about the ones that tempt me. But we're a community. We forgive one another. We build each other up. Some of the behavior in churches, absolutely the opposite of anything Christian. We're a community. And the building, it's just a building. If we have to sell it and move because we're out of room, so what? It's just a building. Is Christianity for you, this movement for you, a way of life? Or is it a compartmentalized activity? Yeah, I go to church on Sundays, uh, maybe couple Sundays a month, maybe, maybe three, sometimes, maybe just Christmas and Easter. Is it just going to church? Is that what it is? Or is it a way of life? Do you take that and wrestle with it every day, every decision, every challenge, everyone you know who is not a Christian, who is now someone on your list for mission? Or is it a compartmentalized activity? Oh, no, that's the pastor's job. Yeah, the church's job. The organization's job. Compartmentalized, not the community on a mission. Is it a spiritual adventure or religion? Anybody can be religious. There's a lot of people that are religious about a lot of things. Religious is just following a lot of rules. A spiritual adventure changes who you are and who you become and who you want to be and that rubs off on other people and that changes the world one person at a time. Is it an experience or is it an academic statement? You know all the right stuff but it's not experiential in your life? Is it a lot of head knowledge only or has it reached your heart? Are we disciples or graduates? Oh yeah, I went through that class. I'm now a member. It's about the way I went through seminary. Studied a bunch of stuff. Nobody discipled me. None of those professors discipled me. No one discipled me. I had to learn about discipling when I went to mission school. I had to relearn that as a pastor. Are you kidding me? And I hear other pastors say the same thing. I was never discipled by anybody. I was taught a bunch of stuff. Oh, I graduated seminary. I graduated Bible college. Yeah. Yeah, I even have a doctorate. Yeah, big deal. No. Am I a disciple that's been discipled by another disciple? Am I a discipler who disciples others? Or am I a graduate? Hey, you want to be like me? Go through a class. No, it's more than that. It's caught more than taught. It's taught, but it's caught more than taught. And you catch it 
like you catch the flu from another person, except this is a good thing. Are we missionaries or members? Well, we pretty much know that one. Churches are dying because of it. We think missionaries are people who just go overseas to those really heathen people, except most of the people in our neighborhood are those people too. And if they're going to be reached, they're going to be reached by people like me who live in that neighborhood. Are we missionaries or members? Are we ministers or are we just observers? We see our job as funding the church so that the pastors can be paid and the people on staff can be paid. And, yeah, they're the ministers. Yeah, I, I don't visit anybody at the hospital. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, if I did, I wouldn't pray for them or do, you know, that stuff that ministers do. And if I did go visit somebody at the hospital, they'd look at me and say, where's, where's the real pastor? And then they might say, what do we pay that person for anyway? What do we pay that pastor for? If you're here is to visit me at the hospital, well, I don't care that it might be your gift, your spiritual gift, and you've discovered you're a minister. You can't be a real minister. You you don't have that degree. You don't have all that head stuff. You you didn't graduate from somewhere. So, are we ministers, or do we just observe the people we call ministers? Bottom line is, are we transformed or have we been conformed? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. It's a whole different world, this movement. It isn't of the world. Jesus said very clearly, my kingdom is in this world, but it is not of this world. Uh, but this movement, in many ways, has conformed to this world. Not easy to say, I'm sorry, but it's true. And it's killing us. It's killing the movement. And I believe that kills Jesus. Of course it does. It kills Jesus. We don't mean to, but we do. We crucify Jesus. Because we keep Jesus from other people, we might as well just crucify him. I know, it's kind of mean. But I hope it gets your attention, because we're a long way from the movement that Jesus began. Well, let's talk about healthy breakthrough atmosphere. Let's be a little more positive about this. Get off this negative rant. A healthy breakthrough atmosphere, and it can happen. It can happen to you. It can happen to me. It can happen to anybody that's a Christian. This breakthrough, healthy atmosphere called the kingdom of God, where Christians live, really live their faith, and churches grow. Surprise, surprise. It's the culture of your church. That's what it is. It's formed by the kingdom culture that Jesus spoke about over and over again every time he told stories. My kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is like this. But this kingdom is not of this world. It's not like this world. It's not supposed to be like this world. Now, I've written a lot about the kingdom culture and the book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival. And I'm really glad that a lot of people have been uh, blessed by that book, benefited by that book. I'm glad that whole churches are, are having people read that book. And uh, I just heard the other day from someone that I barely know 
the person told me that her mother-in-law goes to a mega church, and they have everybody in this study of this who broke my church. I'm guessing that mega church already is a healthy church, and that's why they were smart enough to go deeper and farther. And they have everybody reading that book and doing the the small group Bible study with it. And um, and it's, it's not about me. It, it's it's about the kingdom. That's the whole idea. It's refreshing the kingdom in people's minds. And I'm sure that those kind of churches are gently guided by biblical leadership, which is always bottom up, not top down. It's always a movement approach. And when we do movement, we move. And when we move, the church grows. And when the church grows, oh, the country is blessed. One of the most important roles of church leaders is to continually define that biblical kingdom culture. And there are five elements to that. It's in Who Broke My Church. But I'm just going to summarize them here. The first one is values, what you consider to be most important. Do lost people matter to God? Do they matter to you? The next one is beliefs. Does your life demonstrate what you really believe is truth? Are you really a follower of Jesus? Are you really an ambassador for the kingdom? Third one is attitudes, your posture toward God. You can be efficient, but are you effective? Your attitude shapes everything. That's what it's all about. And so when you think about your attitude, you're looking at how you approach everything. How do you approach unchurched people? Does it matter to you that they don't know Jesus and the Bible says they're lost and that has consequences for eternity? Is that your role? Is that your attitude that you are an extension of your church and you're supposed to reach those people? That's attitudes. The next uh, one, number four, is priorities. What are your priorities? What is it that you will always do first? Will you make it a priority to grow in your faith, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you in Bible study? Are you reading your Bible? Are you learning from God? Are you learning from His Word? Are you really committed to that? Is that a priority? What about worldviews? That's how you understand the world and the way the world works. Is it your worldview that you are an ambassador for the king of the universe? And every day and everything you do and everyone you meet comes from that perspective? Is that the way the people at your church think about it? Jesus said, my kingdom is not like this world. John eighteen thirty six. my kingdom is not of, not like this world at all. We're supposed to be very, very different. And so the sum total of these five elements, these elements of values, beliefs, attitudes, priorities, and worldviews, make up our spiritual DNA. When our spiritual DNA is weak, then we are weak representatives, ambassadors of the king of the universe. And that hurts Jesus because it's what he died for us, for lost people to be found and brought into the kingdom. So that spiritual DNA determines your potential to break through seven ceilings. 
And these are also listed in the book, Who Broke My Church? I just want to summarize them. Number one of these seven ceilings is turn your church right side up. We have a, an approach where we think that we have a staff and they are to do ministry and we're supposed to raise money so they can do ministry and we pay money so that we can have a building and a place to do that. But you see, in Jesus' movement, this Christian movement, he went from the Old Testament priest who could only be the one to go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifices. He changed that to the priesthood of all believers. And, oh man, there's an important verse in Ephesians 4 that said there are, says that there are apostles and there are prophets and there are evangelists and there are pastors and there are teachers and these unique gifted people have a very important role and the next verse is very plain that role is to equip God's people to do the work of ministry you see that's the multiplication factor and that changes doing church into a movement, a movement of multiplication. And so, so many churches are high control but low accountability. We have all these laws and rules and procedures and yada, 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 and you don't do that, only the pastor can do that, or that's in our minds, or whatever. I control. But you know what? A person gossips to another person, and then they gossip to another. You know what that is? That's low accountability. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is low control. Give the ministry away to the priesthood of believers. Equip these people and turn them loose. Trust God. Forget the rules. Don't worry about it. God uses imperfect people to do perfect things uh, by God's blessing. They're perfect. Low control, but high accountability. We're accountable to God. I don't know why we operate the opposite way, but it helps us to not be a movement. Number two, turn your church inside out. It's not y'all come to church. We come to church so we can go. There's a church. I love this church in Indiana. I've been there several times. I just love going there. It's just a great church. The name of the church, believe it or not, is Come to Go. Come to Go Church. That's the name of the church. I just love it. I, I, I love worshiping there. Every once in a while I get the chance. My wife and I go there. It's just It's just great. And you know what? They live it. Come to go. Such a great biblical name. The third element is turn your faith to God-sized potential. You know how that is? How does that happen? Well, we're stuck on baby food because we, we hear sermons, and that's good to hear sermons. That's great. But the Bible study rate is so small in most churches 
especially declining churches, there is a connection to that. The movement doesn't move unless people are feeding on the word, not just from a message that's, what, 15, 20 minutes or whatever long, but when people are chewing on that word in small groups, when they're privately in the quiet place reading their own Bible and letting God speak to them, that it's a holy habit every single day. It's part of your life. Yeah, turn your faith to God-sized potential. Number four, turn up your fire for change. Oh, man, we're so focused on the past. We've always done it that way. Oh, we hear that all the time. That's not a movement. That's going backwards. If it's a movement, it's moving backwards. It's living in the past. Oh, if you change hymnals, oh, my goodness. I'm going to leave the church. No, you're just going to move where you are, stuck in history. Jesus is relevant and should be as relevant, and the Bible should be as relevant as today's newspaper, as to today's news feed, to the latest news on the Internet. Yep. It, it never gets old unless we let it. So turn up your fire for change. Don't change what's important, God's word. Everything else, if you don't change it, you're out of date. And the movement comes to a halt. It stalls. Number five, turn your strategy into God's multiplication. Turn your strategy into God's multiplication. You see, we add to the church. But the church really multiplies because the people of the church are the church wherever they go. Number six, turn your service into dignity. Please get rid of the whole idea of volunteers. I don't ever remember once Jesus saying, can I get a volunteer? He didn't look for volunteers. He made disciples. And when you discover your gifts... Your spiritual gifts, which is part of the Bible's way of showing you what you uniquely are, it will show you your unique ministry in this world, because you have one, and your baptism is your ordination, not going to some Bible college or seminary. Everybody is ordained to do ministry by the Holy Spirit who gives you gifts for your unique function in this movement where everyone's moving for the sake of Jesus, you are not a volunteer. You are an ambassador for the king of the universe. God has a high view of people who serve, especially as they serve according to the unique spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave you. And then finally, turn your life into generosity. We have kind of a recession depression going on in churches. People, very few people give generously to the church of their time, of their money, of anything. And what happens? The movement stalls. But you know, all these things are in Scripture. And anybody who knows even a little bit knows, you know, this is true. I say let God move you. I pray God move me because Christianity is a movement. 
And we'll talk about the results starting in our next episode, episode three. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.